Welcome to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton, aka Possibility Man. We're committed to bringing you guests who strive to better people's lives and serve as a force for good in the world. Today, our guest is Aaron Maximilian Gleason. He lives in Southern California. He is a graduate of the Rhode Island School of Design. An artist, he worked in TV and film in New York City until he moved to California to work in the wine business with, with his father. I invite you to prepare yourself. Max shares a story of tragedy and hope. Max, welcome to the show today. Thank you, Stephen. Max, how are you doing, my friend? How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing fine today. Yeah, it's been, it's uh, 10 a.m. here on the West Coast. So uh, it's been a, a lovely morning so far. I had my coffee, did a little workout, and now I'm here with you. Okay, great. Look, we want to talk uh, talk about your family, uh, Vanessa, Lucy, Lucianne, Lou, and Desmond Four. Uh, Max, your life, your world changed in October, October 25th, 2019. I believe this is the exact date. Can you tell us what happened to your family? Yes. Um, on October 25th, 2019, my wife uh, and my daughter and my son were killed in a car crash. Uh, so all, all three of them were killed. Um, at the time, my wife, Vanessa, was 34. Uh, my daughter, Lou, was two and a half. And my son, Des, was four months old. Um, so we were a, a new family, a young family, um, had a lot of hope for the future. And, um, you know, I lost them in that incident. Uh, and three days after the crash, um, I sat down with a police officer who went over the details uh, of the event with me. And at that time, he informed me that the person who ran into them, uh, they had reason to believe did so intentionally. Uh, he was attempting suicide slash vehicular homicide. So he was trying to take himself out and take some other people out with him. Um, and by some crazy set of uh, circumstances or bending of the laws of physics, he lived um, and my wife and kids did not. So he, uh, he's still around. He's been in jail for the last two and a half years. Um, his, uh, he's pending uh, trial. So he's uh, charged with three counts of first degree homicide. Um, and that uh, trial should be starting any time now. Um, it's been delayed multiple times. You, you know, this was two and a half years ago. Um, in any other circumstances, this would have been said and done with a long time ago, but uh, due to the pandemic, um, it's been delayed multiple times due to court closures. Uh, so the most recent indication is that it will be beginning sometime this month. Uh, Max, uh, my heart goes out to you and the rest of your extended family. I'm sure those listening also feel the same way. Um, tell us a little bit about Vanessa. You said that she was only 34 years old, just really entering the prime of her life. Uh, tell us about her. Yeah, I mean, Vanessa was, um, she was a life force. I mean, she, she lived so fully. Um, so just just 
kind of big. I mean, anybody that knew her, uh, let me put it this way, she couldn't walk into a room and you wouldn't notice her. I mean, she was, she was just full of life, um, full of compassion, full of energy. She was a musician, so she was a natural uh, performer, natural artist. Um, she had this great way of engaging with people um, and, and kind of getting people to fall in love with her, but also letting everyone that she engaged with feel very seen and very heard, which I think is a very special talent in this world. Um, and yeah, and, and I, I loved her very, very much. Um, you know, we were married for six years together for eight years. Um, as I had mentioned, we just started a family. So we were, uh, you know, we, we were living what a lot of people would, would view as the dream. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay, and I know that Lucienne, who you called Lou, was only two years old, and Desmond, or Des, was only four months old. Um, but what was it like being a father, you know, for the short time that you were a father? Uh, I loved being a father. Yeah. Um, you know, I, it, it was interesting because I wasn't, I wasn't one of those people growing up or even in early adulthood where I said, you know, I, I really want a family, I, you know, that, that's the thing to do, that's my destiny. Um, but once it happened, uh, once Vanessa and I decided to start a family, uh, I realized what a dimension that brought to my life. Um, it really opened me up, you know, especially with our first, with our, our daughter Lou, uh, it really opened me up to life and loving in a way that I had never experienced before. I mean, the, you know, the love, anybody who has children knows that the love for a child is completely different than the love for a partner or the love for, you know, parents or siblings or anything like that. I mean, the love that you have for a child, the love that I had for my child uh, was just profound. So I, um, even though it was very short for me, it was two and a half years, I'm, eternally grateful that I was able to have that experience in this lifetime. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, so Max, what were you doing when you got the news that your family had been involved in a crash? Um, well, it, I mean, it's, it's kind of a long story, but I'll try to give the abbreviated version. So um, that afternoon, it was a Friday afternoon, uh, Vanessa and I were headed to Santa Barbara from where we live in Santinez, which is about a 45 minute drive. Uh, we were going to see a concert that night in Santa Barbara. Um, and for reasons I don't need to go into, we decided to, to take separate cars. I mean, normally we would have all driven in one car, but we had different things going on the next day. So we're taking separate cars. And my parents at that time lived in Santa Barbara. So we were going to my parents' house to drop off kids and Vanessa and I were gonna to go to this concert. So I left um, our house, drove the 45 minutes, arrived at my parents' house and uh, was waiting for Vanessa and the kids to show up. Um, she texted me uh, at 4.18 PM saying, "You know, I'm just leaving now, I'm on my way which would have put her in Santa Barbara around five, five o'clock rolls around, she doesn't show up. 5.15 rolls around, she doesn't show up. So I start calling her, I start texting her, no response. Um, and I, you know, with my brother-in-law and my sister in Santa Barbara, they were gonna go to the concert with us. My brother-in-law is looking on his phone. He says, oh, they, 
there's been a car accident on the pass, which is what we call Highway 154. Um, you know, in my mind, immediately goes to, oh, well, she's stuck in traffic. There's been a car crash, so she's stuck in traffic. I, you know, I didn't yeah. put it together that, like, maybe she's the one who's in a crash. Um, so, you know, we're, I'm, I'm on my phone now trying to find out information about this car crash. Um, I keep calling her. I keep texting her. I can't get a hold of her. Um, you know, and as the minutes tick by, I'm realizing, wait, maybe this is her. You know, maybe this car crash is Vanessa, and that's why she's not calling back. Um, so, you know, in order to try to figure out what's going on, I'm just, you know, kind of scanning the internet. I'm going on all of the local news websites, seeing if they have any information on this crash. Uh, but they don't, none of them really, if anything, they've reported that there is a crash, but they don't have any details. It's been too uh, recent. Um, so then I have the idea to go on Facebook because there's a um, community emergency Facebook page that's, that's for our local community here. Um, and I don't, I don't know why I thought of that at the time, but, um, you know, I open up the Facebook page and, you know, top of the feed is about this crash. Um, so I'm looking and reading these things and these are people who actually are stuck in traffic and they're on their phones because they're not moving and they're posting about what they're seeing. They're posting about the crash. And then as I'm looking, these photos start popping up of the cars, you know? Um, and uh, the cars uh, had caught fire. So the, the photos that I'm seeing are of burned vehicles. Um, so I can't really tell if it's my wife's car or not because they're just black wrecks of cars. Um, so, you know, I'm getting this kind of visual information. I'm getting information in the form of what people are posting and, and texts um, on Facebook. And I'm trying to, you know, in, in my kind of shocked mind, I'm trying to figure out what is going on? I mean, there was a real kind of disconnect from reality at that point. Um, you know, you, you, my mind kind of wasn't allowing me to believe the reality that was becoming very, very evident. Oh. Um, so I don't know. I was probably on that Facebook page for like half an hour, just scanning every single word, every single photo, trying to put together some picture of reality and whether this was Vanessa and my kids or not. And then um, I remember it was like around 6.15 PM. So just to put it back in context, Vanessa texted me at 4.18. So this is like two hours later after she said she was leaving and hasn't showed up. Uh, around 6.15, somebody posts, one of the cars was a mother and two children and all three are dead. Oh, God. Um, so at that, moment that just confirmed the reality i said there's you know the chances would be one in a million if this was somehow not vanessa at this point so uh that's how i found out was mm. was from a facebook post uh -huh. um you know so once once i read that and you know my i don't need to go into all the kind of 
physical and emotional reaction to that. But the next thing I could think to do is to call the police uh, the station, you know. Mm -hmm. I called them and I said uh, that, you know, there's been a, you guys know there's been an accident on Highway 154. My wife was traveling that road at the time. I haven't heard from her. Can you give me any information? Um, and, you know, they were, the, the dispatcher, whoever I was talking to was clearly just following protocol, but they said, no, sir, we can't give any information at this time. Accident's still under investigation. So they took my, my name, my number, and they said they'll, they'll call me as soon as they have anything. Um, and, you know, 10 minutes went by, I didn't hear anything. So I called back, same line, called back. Um, I just kept calling them and they kept saying the same thing, you know, basically stonewalling me and saying, we can't tell you anything. Um, and I finally got a call at 11.23 PM. Uh, so the crash was, uh, you know, around 4.45. Uh, so 11.23, we're looking at, you know, five and a half, six hours after the time of the crash, they actually, the police called me back and confirmed their identities and that all three of them were dead. Oh, you know, um, many, many people, if you live in this world, you know, lose one person, sometimes two, but gosh, I think it's rare that someone loses their entire family all at once. Um, yeah, I, I've yet to meet another person who has the same, same situation as me. Yeah. So what happened? Did you go to the, did, I mean, did they take, did, was there someplace for you to go, like to the hospital, to the more, I mean, I don't want to get too much into this, but what do, what do you do with that? I mean, do you, do you uh, spend with your family? No, I mean, the, the, the bodies got taken to the morgue. So, oh. you know, I wasn't, I wasn't invited nor was I interested in going to the morgue. Uh, no, I got the call from the uh, police officer confirming uh, what had happened. And then uh, he's, you know, it, like I said, this was 1123 at night. Um, so it was pretty late. He said, can I come to your home tomorrow morning and we can go over the details. Uh, and at that point, I was so, um, just kind of devastated I said no like you, you can't you can't come to my house tomorrow um just the, the thought of dealing with that uh was not something that I wanted so uh I scheduled to meet with him on Monday morning which would have been you know which would have given me the weekend so um I took that weekend um was with my parents and uh, my sister and some other family members came in from out of town, um, yeah, and just kind of, kind of went into this like out of reality, deep grief, deep mourning space. Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, it, in that time, the word kind of spread. So I had all sorts of people calling and emailing and starting to send flowers and starting to bring food over and that kind of thing. Um, but the next the next interaction that I had um, in the real world, I guess you could call it, was uh, that Monday morning when the police officer came to my house. He went over the logistics of 
the crash. And at that point, he informed me that the, the person who ran into them um, they had reason to believe did so intentionally. He was alive. You know, the, the, the details that I shared at the beginning of the podcast. Mm -hmm. So, so uh, and, yeah, well, then I was going to, the only thing I was going to say was after that, you know, over the course of the next few weeks, I had multiple meetings with uh, law enforcement because this was now a criminal case. It wasn't right. just an, uh, an accident and, you know, loss of life, but there was actually right. criminal facet to it. Right. Okay, I won't mention his, you know, the driver's name uh, here, but um, when you discovered that it might have been intentional that a suicidal driver with the aim of doing what happened, what was your feeling toward that person, if you care to share? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say um, because I've gone through so many permutations of feelings about him in the last two and a half years. So, you know, if I can remember back to that time and getting the news first, it's almost like I didn't have feelings about him as a person. I just, I was overcome by how dark and, I mean, it, I'm not sure how to explain this really, but mm -hmm. I was overcome by like a sensation of evil. Um, and I don't, I don't use that word lightly. Uh, and I don't mean it in a kind of, you know, biblical or exaggerated sense, but it was a feeling that inhabited me. And it's like, oh, I, you know, I'm actually experiencing the real, um, the real negative side of humanity for the first time in my life in, in, in a, in a personal way, you know, I mean, like I, I'm a human being on earth. I read the news every day. So I know there's a lot of horrendous things going on all the, all the time, but it never touched me personally like this. Um, so it was more rather than a personalized feeling towards him as another human, it was more overcome by this kind of negative energy. Um, and then in the subsequent days, I learned more about him as a person. And I think my my anger and the, the, the kind of overwhelm of negativity got more directed towards the individual, mm -hmm. towards him. Um, but yeah, it was, um, it, it, it was hard to, I don't know, I guess it was kind of hard to put a human face or human body to it at first. It was more just like this feeling. Uh -huh. um, and then as time went on, that, that negative feeling was given a name, it was given a face, um, I was able to direct it somewhere. Um, but all that being said, over the last, you know, over the last two and a half years, that, that has changed a lot, it's evolved in me. Um, and, you know, that I would say there was a lot of, a lot of hatred early on. Um, but for me personally, that got exhausting after a while. Uh -huh. um, and because nothing was happening with it, you know, because the courts were closed, we weren't going to trial. I had no contact with him. Um, so it just, it just wore me out to stay in that place of 
hatred all the time and this kind of static hatred, you know? So I think that prompted me to get more curious about it. Um, you know, like what, what brings a person to this point in the first place? Um, what, why, why does anybody who's in pain do these kind of things? Um, and, and, and that's, that's the space that I'm in now. Um, you know, still, still curious about that, where it comes from. Um, because if you look at this, this instance specifically, he was, he was trying to kill himself. So he wasn't, you know, he was in a lot of pain. Nobody tries to kill themselves if everything is going great. So he was in a lot of pain. A lot of people are in a lot of pain. A lot of people also choose to take their own lives, but it's a, it's a special, uh, there must be a special type of pain and a unique situation and set of decisions to want to kill innocent people in that process. Mm. So, so what is, what engenders that kind of pain? What engenders that kind of thought process? Um, so that that's kind of where I'm okay. hanging out in my mind and spirit right now. Right. I may come back to that a little later, um, but I want to focus on you a bit because you know, as I said, this is a, major loss that you experience. So how do you deal with that loss? How have you been dealing with that loss? Uh, what's keeping you going? What has been keeping you going? Uh, you, how have, been, how have you been dealing with this and keep keeping going? Um, well, it, you know, in a lot of, there's not, a, there's not an easy way to answer that question. Um, you know, I've, the loss of Vanessa and the kids has been excruciating. Um, it's been, you know, as, as you can imagine, it's been the most profound pain that I've ever experienced or could ever, ever even imagine prior to this. Um, but I think, you know, early on, I made a decision to try to understand the process versus let the process destroy me um and it you know just in making that decision um I, you know i don't want to take credit for anything but just kind of opened myself up and and trusted to put trust in that whatever was going to bring me through this would um so uh you know, and when, when I say that, I, that I don't want to take credit for it, I, it's kind of like, you know, one thing that I've come to appreciate in the last couple of years is that there's, there's an intelligence within the human system that is not, that is not coming from my brain. You know, there's, there's an intelligence, there's a desire for survival that, that happens in life if I allow it to. Um, so I guess what has carried me through this is trying my best to allow that system that inner wisdom uh to express itself through me rather than trying to figure anything out um and sometimes that works sometimes it doesn't work <laughs> but uh yeah i mean that's kind of that's no. kind of it in a nutshell and, and a real desire you know this despite the um the pain of it all it also thrust me into this real space of curiosity 
and kind of wonder and kind of like for a long time, like living in this reality that was, I would say it was a little bit outside of reality. So uh, I, I, you know, I would say that I opened up in a very spiritual way, like in a, in a, you know, just kind of like released myself to the spiritual essence of, of life and, and, uh, and wanted to, to figure out like, wh what's it all about, you know, where do we go when we die? Why are we here in the first place? Um, you know, I was asking myself those questions many, many times every day because I needed, I needed in a more concrete way than I ever had in my life. I needed a reason to be here, you know, and I needed a reason for my continued existence after the death of my family. Um, and the only way that I could find that was kind of looking to a, a deeper spiritual place. Uh -huh. Did you, um, let me see how I can ask this question. Um, did you persecute yourself for not being in the car and dying with them? Sure. I mean, I've had those thoughts many times. Um, and I think those thoughts are natural, but they're not helpful and, the, and they don't really go anywhere. Um, you know, the, the kind of what ifs about everything in that day um, are, there are too many what ifs. There are too many things that happened exactly one way for this to happen. I mean, you know, the, the, the road that they were on was not, um, it's not a heavily trafficked road. So, you know, the fact that Vanessa was right there at the time that this man decided to do this, you know, we're talking about seconds of difference would have changed the fate of all of this. Um, you know, there were who knows how many different permutations of that day, you know, like if I had come home 15 minutes earlier, if she had, you know, decided to, there's just, there's just too many what ifs. So there, that's not helpful. It, at least for me, it wasn't helpful to go down the guilt route and say, you know, why I should have been there. Um, and I, I guess, you know, another layer to answering that question is I also, you know, over the last two and a half years and through everything that I've learned and come to see through this process, I don't really believe in accidents anymore. Uh -huh. um, so um, as odd as it may sound, I do believe that this was meant to be. Um, and part of my journey here with the rest of my life is, is understanding if there's a way to make meaning out of that and understanding if, if the, the loss of Vanessa and Lou and Des um, can be of some service to the rest of us who are still here. You know, if this story can show people anything um, that brings positive, that brings some more positivity to the world. Wow. Ooh, that's, uh, I find that to be amazingly powerful what you've just said there. So um, where is this outlook coming from? I and mean, where is this? Yes, I mean, this is, uh, this is unique to me, <laughs> so this, this outlook. Where is it, where is it, what, if you were to identify the sources, I mean, of this outlook, where is it coming from? 
Well, I guess just deep, deep inquiry, you know. Um, I, I don't know, it's a tough one to answer. But if, if there isn't a purpose to things, that means that everything is, is kind of random and essentially meaningless. Um, and I just don't feel that in my heart, given what I've experienced and what I've seen. Yeah. And I would rather live in a world that has meaning, that has purpose, that um, gives us a sense that we're evolving as human beings, that we're evolving as spiritual beings, rather than this is just a bunch of stuff that's happening all around us. Um, because, you know, early on, I was definitely like, should I be here? You know, lost my family to your earlier question. I should have been with them. Should I be alive or should I be dead? Like, what's the point of me even being alive anymore? Um, and when, when I was faced with that question, I had to come up with a pretty damn good reason for wanting to be alive. Um, and I guess that's what propelled me or, or sort of set me on this path to arriving at the beliefs that I have now. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, does, does that make sense or is that, that makes a sense. too I, I got abstract? You. Yeah, that makes sense. And uh, so just want to talk about this because people, as you mentioned earlier, people go through a lot around the world and some people have difficulties making meaning of the challenges that present themselves in their lives. And it seems to me that you have something to offer us about how to reframe it in a way that doesn't take us down a deeper hole, you know, of self-destruction. And just, just wanna hear you kind of, kind of talk to us about, you know, about loss, about tragedies, about how you think a person can continue on even in the, in the face of something that's very horrible. Let me just give one one example. Yeah. You know, I know someone who lost a job. You know, they were fired from their job. And I tell you what, that person is, was just, you know, enraged about this. And I think she would have difficulties with the notion of making meaning of it. But I hear you, I think you can offer something else about the rage is one possibility, but there is another way of, of looking at it. Yeah. Um, well, and then, the, you know, the other thing is that like when you, and I don't mean to diminish the experience of your friend who lost the job, but when you lose something as, as huge as your family, the, the other stuff, you know, it, it kind of just puts everything in, in a different perspective. It, 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 it sets the bars or the polarities of the spectrum in much wider extremes. Um, but, you know, in order to answer what I think you're driving at, a lot of people, um, it seems to me that a lot of people historically and still today, but probably to a lesser degree today, were able to get this sense of meaning by, by having faith. You know, it would be like, I have faith in God, um, I don't understand it, but it's God's will, you know, and I just have to trust that there's a, there's a design, like God has a design for everything. God has a design for all of us. Um, 
I've never been a traditionally religious person. Mm-hmm. Um, I've always actually been um, very suspect of religion, um, but I've always considered myself a pretty deeply spiritual person. Um, and what this event in my life has done is, is kind of taken me from a, a spiritual dabbler, I guess I could call it, that I was previously, to, to really needing to come to terms with what I believe about existence and how I orient myself to that. Mm-hmm. And those notions of God and having faith, I, I have those, I believe those, and I, I hold them very dearly. But um, to me, it's probably the way that I like to look at it is it's not, it's not God, but it's, it's me and it's you. And we're here for um, a divine purpose. You know, we're, we are souls who have incarnated on this earth in order to do something. And, and most of the time, my, my suspicion is that something is to learn. It's to evolve. It's to have experiences on this earth so that when we, we die and we return to source or the spirit realm or whatever you want to call it, we come back a little bit wiser, um, a little bit more whole, have had more depth of experience. Um, and I also believe that, you know, it's not, it's not one time around. So I do believe in reincarnation. I think I've been doing this many, many times. I think I'll do it many, many more times. So each, each journey of life is an opportunity to gain more. And, um, you know, we, more often than not, we gain from uh, the, our challenges, from the obstacles. If everything's easy breezy, you're not really learning very much. So that's that's what I that's what I tell myself to get through the day every day when I wake up. Well, I'm happy but, you're doing that. Um, yeah, I want to I want to poke this a little more if you don't mind, and just some yeah. some hypotheticals, but based in reality in this world of ours, and I'm sure what I'm gonna ask applies to every piece of grass, every piece of dirt on the planet. I know a judge and she once told me that in her courtroom, she frequently had siblings who were suing each other over the family state after the last one of their parents had Mm -hmm. died. And these individuals, because of those conflicts, stop talking to each other, you know, so what would you, I mean, let's, you know, and I'm not asking you to be a coach or anything, but based upon what you've learned and based upon what you are learning, what would you say to someone who comes to you saying, you know, my sister, my brother got more than they deserved in this distribution of property and I will never talk to them again. Do you have any insights for them based upon just all that you're learning? And if, if this is not a good question for you, just back out of it. You don't have to respond. No, no, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. I, you know, I don't know. Everybody's doing whatever they're doing and they, they have to decide what's important to them. So, you know, if inheritance and money is important to you, then that, then fight for it. You know, you should, you should fight for whatever is important to you. Uh-huh. Um, you know, me personally, I would value a human relationship over money but a lot of people aren't oriented that way. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it, yeah, it comes down to decisions and priorities, I guess. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, okay. I don't know if that's that's helpful. I, I got you. Well, you know, I got you. Yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot. As I said, I, what I feel from you is though that's that you've gone through a lot of learning and not just superficial learning, but deep learning. And I'm trying to glean as much as I can from you, if that's okay. Um, yeah. So um, I uh, asked a question, just escaped me, but hopefully it will come back because I, I, I'm thinking about um, what you've said about the driver of that car. And once again, I don't wanna use his name here uh, on the podcast, but you know, I, my expectation was for you to come out here and just demonize this person. And I probably would have cheered you on in doing that. And, and that's not to say that you never did it, but I'm just curious as to what, if anything, restrains you from that. I mean, I've heard people say, you know, I'll go to the, uh, to the place where, you, where you're gonna be um, put to death and I'll flip the switch myself. I don't hear that from you. And I'm just curious to know, how do you, how do you keep yourself from, from going there? Um, well, I, I think a couple of things, and I sort of alluded to this earlier. Um, one is that it's exhausting. For me, to be in a, a space of anger and hatred is exhausting, um, and I don't like it. Uh, and, and that's, but that, that's just me. I know that there's some people who actually probably, it feeds them to, to kind of nurture their anger because, it give, because that probably gives them meaning in a way. You know, everybody's trying to find meaning and, and, and purpose in things, but um, it's just not for me. It's not how I'm wired. And then the other reason is curiosity, you know, because, and, and like I mentioned earlier, why? Like just why with a big, all caps, big question mark on the end, if you want to take your own life, if, you're, if your pain in this world is so extreme, I have no judgment over people who choose suicide. I understand that this life is very, very hard and I don't want anybody to feel like they have to endure it just because it's, it's stigmatized to, to take your own life. But then why go the next step and decide to take other people with you? And that's the thing that I don't understand. It doesn't make any sense to me, given everything that I know about human nature and my experience with people on this planet. I just don't understand that. So I, I, I would like to know why. And I think, um, I think there's value in probing that question, especially in this country, um, you know, given everything we've experienced in the last couple of weeks, there are people out there who really want to hurt other people. Yeah. And we don't, and we don't really know why. I mean, we, we put labels on it. Um, you know, the, the one in Buffalo is easier because they said, you know, it's, it's a um, act of racist, um, you know, uh, white supremacy, he was racist, that kind of thing. The one in Texas, it's like, I don't know how we even begin to uncover the motivations for that. But in, until we start understanding the whys of those things, um, they're going to keep happening. Mm. Um, you know, and I would, I would love for them to not keep happening. And, you know, those things kind of they operate at the legislative le level, and I think it's important to, you know, 
the initiatives that people are making for better gun control and everything. But that that's kind of like this the symptomatic layer. It's like why does why do people decide to do this in the first place? Um, and my desire to understand that kind of keeps me out of the realm of hatred and more in the, the realm of uh, curiosity and desire to understand because I, it is my hope that once we understand even just a little bit better, it'll happen a little bit less frequently. You know, I'm not, not naive in thinking that we're going we're gonna to cure this or eradicate it from um, our culture, but if it could just be a little bit better, that would be nice. I hear you, Max. Wow. So um, how do you see yourself going forward in, in the world? If you've had time to reflect on this, that is, you know, what do you want to offer? You know, I'm going to call it the world. What do you see for yourself going forward? Um, I mean, I think you inviting me to have this conversation is one example of what I'd like to see. I mean, uh, the opportunity to share my story um, and not just have it a story of tragedy, but have it a story of tragedy that results in hope or results in healing and resilience. Um, you know, it, it's my hope that that would be of service to other people who are maybe going through something similar. Um, so thank you for, thank you for this. Um, and then my continued exploration of where, where my continued exploration of, of, of him, of this guy who did this, where does it come from? Um, you know, and, and in all likelihood, he's going to go to prison for the rest of his life. So it's not like he and I are going to be sitting down for tea and, and talking this through or anything like that. But when I say continued exploration, more of me just on kind of a mental level, but all, also a soul level, like feeling into what this means and where it comes from and, and hopefully having some revelations around that. Wow. Okay, Max, my final question. Uh, is there anything else you care to share with us that I have not asked you? Um, no, <laughs> I think we've covered quite a bit. Well, Max, it, uh, I, you and I, just so that everyone will know, we were in a training together and you share just a, you know, just a little small piece of your story, your life, and I knew that first I could, I could learn from you, that's for sure. And I knew that I wanted to interview you. So thank you so much for responding positively to me. Yes, of course. Well, and thank you very much for the invitation. Um, you know, part of my, when you ask how I see myself moving forward, um, a lot of it is being open and saying yes when the opportunity presents itself. So when you, when you presented the opportunity, I said yes. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you so much once again, Max. You've been listening to the Possibility Action Network podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Middleton. Our guest today has been Max Gleason, sharing a story of tragedy and hope. Max, once again, thank you for being with us today. Thank you, Stephen.